In this week's episode, we talk about a way to kick your problems out of your head, take back control, and rebuild your relationship with your struggles. Bringing hope and healing. It's your source for personal growth, mental health, and interesting ideas. Thoughtful Mind with Spee. Here's your host, Spee Hilsenrath. And welcome back to Thoughtful Mind with Spee. I'm your host, Svi Hilsenrath. So before we start, as always, I want to share a little bit of gratitude. One of the most amazing parts of doing this podcast is seeing all the different places around the world that people are listening. It's truly amazing to see the multiple countries and within the United States to see all the different states. Today, I'd like to do a quick shout out to all the listeners in Warner Robins, Georgia. Thank you, Warner Robins, Georgia. All right, let's get right into it. It's important to distance ourselves from our problems, to give us room to work on them. If we're so attached to our problems, it can often be hard to change our lives and address what needs to be addressed. So we can distance ourselves from our problems in multiple ways. One way we can is physically, removing ourselves from triggers, people, or places, or things that aid in a better problems. Another way to distance ourselves is mentally. Usually when people talk about distancing themselves from their problems, they're talking about putting some distance between themselves and their problems mentally or emotionally. This is another popular opinion for distancing yourself from your problems emotionally, making them not so personal. Today, we're going to talk about one that people don't usually think of, and that is distancing ourselves from our problems linguistically, the way that we talk about our problems. By distancing ourselves in the way that we talk about our problems, we begin to automatically distance ourselves mentally and emotionally. And we're going to focus on one specific way to distance ourselves from our problems in the way we talk. It's called externalization. Externalization is so important to me in how I work and how I think that I wrote a 40-page paper on it as part of my final requirement to get my master's degree when I was getting my MSW. I was exposed to externalization when I was training in narrative therapy, which was created by Michael White and David Epstein. Narrative therapy focuses on the stories we tell ourselves and how those stories rule our lives, how to change those stories. We're going to get more into narrative therapy in a different episode, so keep listening. The starting point of externalization is the belief that problems are not an inherent part of who we are, who we are as people, but rather things that are external to us. They need to be identified, they need to be judged on how they affect our lives, and possibly, probably, changed. Externalization is the process of seeing your problems not as something inherent to you, but something that's separate from you, acting on you. In other words, it helps people create a self-identity separate from their problems. Another way of saying that is people are people, and problems are problems. The person is not the problem. Too often people see themselves and others as the problem in their lives, looking only at the negative and being blind to everything else that's going on. So for example, a person might say, I'm lazy, I'm depressed, I'm angry, I'm anxious. All of these things are the person internalizing their problems, making the problem themselves. Once that happens, it's very hard to shift that. It's very hard to break out of that. And the problems like it that way because the problem wants us to be blind to any other options. Like it puts blinders on the sides of our eyes and we can only see forward. This technique of externalization is to separate us from our problems. Even though it's a therapeutic technique that can be applied 
in therapy from a therapist to a client, today we're going to focus on how people can externalize their own problems. People have problems in their lives, and it's the relationship, both positive and negative, with the problem that creates the discord in their lives. Once we externalize the problems, we can begin to change that relationship. And we're going to get more into the positive side of the relationship later on. First, let's focus on the negative. We externalize the problem by changing it from an adjective, a label that we give ourselves, to a noun, something outside of us that's trying to influence us. So, for example, a person says, I'm lazy. This is someone describing what they believe to be an unchangeable inherent character trait. I'm lazy, therefore I do this. I'm lazy, therefore I'm not more successful. I'm lazy, therefore I didn't pay my bills and now I'm having financial problems. Here's how we would externalize it. I'm me. There's this thing in my life called laziness. And laziness tries to get me to slack off, not try anything new, not take care of my responsibilities, to take the easiest way out. But I'm me. I'm not lazy. Laziness, the noun, is working on me and trying to convince me to act in certain ways. This might seem like a verbal trick, some linguistic leisure domain. But when a person sees a problem as separate from him or herself, the problem is no longer the truth. New options and solutions open up. Because if I'm inherently lazy, then that's probably not going to change. And if it does change, it's going to change to a very minute degree. But if I'm me and laziness is something that's working on me, then that's something that I can ignore. That's a relationship I can change, the relationship I have with laziness. If I'm lazy, it's my nature. It's what I'm capable of. And anytime I don't act lazy, it's going to be viewed as a rare exception. Not something that's always an option. I'm stuck fighting myself, fighting my nature of being lazy. But when the problem is externalized, I can choose to listen to laziness or not. When I don't act in a lazy manner, that's not the exception. That's the time I made a choice not to listen to laziness. I chose how that relationship will go. We always have a choice. Being lazy is not something inherent to who I am, but laziness is just one option. There are others. So here's some more examples of taking an adjective making into a noun, an addict to someone struggling with the effects of alcohol addiction, an anorexic to someone oppressed by anorexia. Okay, so now you're going to ask me, what about things that are inherent, like cancer or depression? Depression is a chemical imbalance in the brain. A true narrative therapist might tell you that all of your problems are external and specifically societal because narrative therapy is based in postmodernism I, I personally don't buy this, but it does help to stop looking at the specific thing that may or may not be in our control and focus on how these things affect us and change that relationship. So, for example, how has cancer changed your work life? We're looking at the cancer like an external thing changing your work life. Because it's external, you don't have to define yourself by it. it makes it easier to see other options. I know of a teacher, and this is long ago before Skype and FaceTime, who never missed a class, even when they were in the hospital getting treatment or surgery. They never missed a class because they set up video conferencing to continue teaching, even when they had cancer. I wasn't in their head, but I could see it being played out this way. Instead of identifying as a cancer patient, he identified as I am me. There's this thing in my life operating, and I refuse to let it define me. It's an external thing 
I'm going to go out of the way to set up the video conference. Again, this is before FaceTime and Skype, so it was not easy to do. Never missed a class. Another example. Who has depression pushed away? Again, not who you have pushed away while depressed, but who has depression pushed away? Do you like that depression did that to you? What are you going to do about fixing the relationships that depression damaged? Did you like that depression did that to you? What are you going to do to fix those relationships that depression damaged? Not that you damaged, but that depression damaged. As you notice, when we make space between you and depression, it's easier to fix the issues. It takes away some of the guilt. I pushed all these people away. No. Depression pushed these people away. This brings up an important point. If it's not you, but an outside force, why should you be responsible? If depression pushed these people away, why do you have to deal with it? Once you've externalized something, you're actually more responsible for your actions. Because if depression was an intrinsic part of who you are, then what choice did you have? But now that we've externalized depression, now you make a decision to decide to follow it or not. In this example, where we said depression pushed people away, Okay, well, you took the actions, so yes, depression pushed them away, but now you have the responsibility because you followed the advice of depression. It saves you from the following tautology or or looping logic. Somebody might say, I'm a drug addict because I abuse drugs, and I abuse drugs because I'm a drug addict. There, it's a looping logic. But once you externalize it, it becomes easier to break out of that thinking and take responsibility over your life again. And as we'll discuss in future episodes, when we start to take responsibility over our life again, we bring meaning to our life, and meaning is followed by happiness. Now, let's talk about how to externalize. So the simple method we've already mentioned, we've been speaking about, it's taking an adjective and turning an adjective into a noun. Taking a label that we give ourselves or that someone else has given us and turning that into a noun. So for example, I'm depressed becomes depression. I'm lazy becomes laziness. I'm angry becomes I have anger in my life. I'm an addict becomes I'm somebody struggling against addiction. By taking these adjectives and making them nouns, we create distance between ourselves and the problem, and it becomes easier for us to deal with the problem. A more personal and effective method can be to create your own name. So instead of saying I'm depressed, I might say I have the shoulder demon. It's something that sits on my shoulder and whispers in my ear and tries to tell me how to act. All the ways that it tries to tell me how to act are things that depression might get me to do. But instead of using somebody else's word, in this case depression, I'm creating my own thing, the shoulder demon. I know somebody that whenever she fights with her husband over there's marital stress, they end up laughing about it because they call it the small mean man. The small mean man got us to do that. And this is also another piece of it. Once we externalize something, we don't have to take it so seriously. When we have problems that are inherent to us, often we feel the need to take our problems super seriously. But once they're externalized, we can start to have a sense of humor about it again. And humor is one of the strongest and most effective tools in dealing with our problems. Problems want to be taken very seriously. But when we can laugh about it a little, it makes it much easier to address the problems in our lives. Another advantage of externalizing is this allows us to better understand our problems because like all outside forces, there are motivations and techniques that these problems are using to try and control us. So let's ask some questions. For example, why would anxiety want to keep you quiet? 
How is the relationship piece stopping you from getting help? What tools does the shoulder demon use to keep you from making your life better? It also helps us see what we get out of our problems. This is the positive side of the relationship we spoke about before. Because one of the things that stops people from addressing their problems is what they get out of them. So for example, when do I use fear as an excuse? Where in my life do I gain from shame? It's important to answer these questions since it's often the answers to these questions that are holding us back. In motivational interviewing, another technique we're going to speak about in a future episode, they teach that when a person is struggling with addiction, it's usually what the person is afraid of losing when they give up the addiction that stops them from addressing the addiction in the first place. So for example, a drug addiction might help someone cope with their lives. The solution is worse than the problem. But people that are oppressed by addiction are afraid to let go of the only solution they know. I've heard addicts say, my problem is not drugs, my problem is life. Drugs was the answer. The answer is worse than the problem. But if we don't see that, if we don't see that our problems are giving us something, they'll be very hard to let go of. We'll get more into this idea in a future episode, but it is important to be aware of it now. Now, here's a couple of advanced techniques for externalizing. One thing is to write a letter to your problem. So as an example, I was working with a client who had many problems they were struggling with, including low self-esteem, and we weren't getting anywhere. For a few sessions, we weren't getting anywhere. And I asked the person to externalize and write a letter to their low self-esteem. He wanted to take time to find a name that worked for him. He went home. He came back the next week. He had taken out a thesaurus, went through all the different adjectives for low self-esteem, and came up with inferior. That's the name that he wanted to use. The noun would be inferiority, but he wanted to stick with inferior. And he wrote a letter to inferior about how inferior was holding him back his entire life. He viewed it as a dark cloud that hung over his head and tried to push him in certain directions. Through the process of writing this letter, he began to externalize inferior from himself. And suddenly we were making headway. It helped us break the logjam that we were in in therapy. Another example of an advanced technique is having a conversation with the problem. I was working with somebody that was struggling with alcohol addiction. Through externalization, we were able to have this person role play and speak to alcohol addiction. And he asked alcohol addiction, what do you hate? And alcohol addiction hated vanity because this person really liked how they looked. And if they kept drinking, they were going to destroy their looks. And so that was one way to start distancing himself from alcohol addiction and find out what alcohol addiction hated, which was a tool he then used to work on getting sober. To summarize, today we spoke about externalization, which is a process of taking our problems and changing our thinking about them from something that is inherent to us, something that is a part of us, to something that is external to us, that we can change. The basic idea is to take an adjective, make it a noun. You can use your own name, and you can write a letter to it, have a conversation with it. It distances us, both mentally, because we see it as something outside of ourselves, and emotionally, because when my problem is something that's outside of me, I'm not so attached to it. I'm more attached to something that's a part of me than something that's external to me. I'd like to thank everyone that's been listening and subscribing, everyone that's reached out to me, provided some feedback. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, 
If you get a chance to rate on iTunes or write a review on iTunes, that would be amazing. I truly appreciate it. Go to thoughtfulmindpodcast.com for more ways to support the show if you're looking for that. You can always reach us through the email address, thoughtfulmindpodcast at gmail.com or the telephone number 732-523-0061. 732-523-0061. Now go out, believe in yourself.